0: Professor is just going to finish off uh, a little bit from the morning lecture and then we'll move on to questions and answers. Professor. This is a very interesting thing pertinent to the uh, marketability in the large and marketability in the small Uh, because this explains the feature of history that... In the ancient world, there were always uh, two commodities which were used as money, very different in some cases, such as cattle in ancient Greece and, uh, say, wheat or salt or could have been something else. The marketability of cattle in the large was very high. In fact, cattle was money in ancient Greece, and so was she- so were sheep. Uh, and uh, the result, uh, the reason for that was that it was unthinkable that there would be an, a surplus of cattle, and the value of cattle would fall as a consequence, because cattle were self-mobile. Self mobility of cattle, if there developed or would have developed a surplus in one place, then they just drove the cattle to another place where there was a shortage. So cattle has the, had this property that its marketability in the large was very high. And by contrast, for, take salt for example, which is uh, was typical as money in the Roman uh, period, Roman times. Uh, salt was the major agent of food preservation. That was pre-refrigeration pre-refriger- era. era and uh, uh, but it was a great problem how to preserve food for a length of time. Most food would be perishable and therefore would be perfectly useless for the purpose of hoarding. Uh, and then uh, salt became money. Now this duality that two types of money at the same time were used one because it was marketable in the large the other it was highly marketable in the small so uh, large payments could be affected with the uh, first type of money and hoarding was affected with the other one. This survived a long time. In fact, uh, it was in the 19th century when bimetallism was a typical monetary system with two uh, precious metals, two monetary metals, one gold and the other silver. And gold was the money whose marketability in the large was the highest, and silver had the marketability in the large, in the small, was the highest. And there was need for both. So as far as the rate of interest was concerned, silver was even more important than gold, (coughs) but the substitutability of one for the other was, uh, of course, uh, very uh, uh, high, and therefore the difference was no longer so great. And uh, including myself, most economists said that uh, this dualism of money is no longer important. I accepted that myself. And then uh, I did a little more study on silver. Very fascinating story. And yesterday I said a few words about that. And uh, if we meet again here in Auckland a year from now, which is a possibility, I would certainly be open uh, to suggestions and very happy to uh, come back then uh, you will see too that the story of silver is so colorful and so uh, 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 that in comparison gold pales. It's not nearly as interesting. Uh, That might be a subjective opinion, but uh, anyhow. So uh, silver, yeah, the uh, consensus may may be that uh, That's past history, no longer important, the duality of money. that You have to have two kinds of money, gold and silver, or cattle and salt. I have changed my mind on that too. I think silver didn't fade out. It was pushed, pushed by governments. for various reasons. I'm not going to enter that story, let's leave it for next year. But it's a very interesting story how silver, through a conspiracy, was eliminated and the gold became the only monetary metal. And there was about a hundred years when silver was in the doghouse. Very... And, and still I would say silver is dirt cheap at 32-some dollars an ounce in comparison with gold. And, uh, and there is a historical reason for that. So I just wanted to add this, that when you say marketability in the large, marketability in the small, the first thought after that is gold and silver, the duality uh, of money. This is what I just wanted to add to the previous uh, hour's talk, and now open okay. for... So, uh, questions? Can I just start? Um, Professor, you're talking about the disordering. Could we look at Volcker's move in 1981, when he put interest rates up as an example of it? What was was a, when Volcker put up the interest rates in 1980? Was that an example of dishoarding? Dis- dropped dis- tremendously. When he did that, uh, uh, and I would classify it as a <clears throat> as a wrong-minded government interference in the natural scheme of things. Uh, now, when I suggest. Hoarding and dishoarding. This, to me, is spontaneous. People react. You know, now this was uh, very, uh, very destructive government manipulation. Uh, the system was collapsing. They had to do something. And at that time, the year was 1979, right, or 1980? Uh, yeah, was
1: 1980. Uh, yeah.
0: Uh, the United States was in a f- much better financial position than it is now and uh, they could manipulate interest rates a great deal and this was an experiment uh, following Milton Friedman's theories to uh, allow interest rates to seek their level, however high it may be. Uh, it did a lot of damage at the time and so on, uh, but I would not put it down in the column of spontaneous uh, market forces. It was the a government intervention. i probably follow up a bit on that. You said shortly, the government distortion of interest when the interest is too high then certain things happen, and when the interest is too low, certain things happen. Could you expand on that a little bit? Just what is the main problem when interest is too high and when interest is too low? Yeah. If interest, if the rate of interest, the market rate, deviates from the equilibrium rate which I don't want to define but uh, uh, the idea is that in a neutral environment uh, interest seeks its own level and finds it and there could be some reason uh, causing interest to deviate from the equilibrium rate on the high side. What does that mean in terms of hoarding? Okay, It means that, and to fix our ideas, let's talk about gold hoarding. The story is much the same if you think of silver hoarding then there will be an incentive for individuals to sell gold and buy bonds, why? Well, Because the bond price and the rate of interest move in opposite directions a rigid mathematical rule, no exception. Sometimes I use the simile of the seesaw children uh, uh, play. It's very simple. There is uh, just a, uh, what do you call it? Uh, so. A plank. What? A plank. Yeah. Plank. A plank. And uh, the children sit on
1: and then there's
0: a fulcrum in the middle. So, they, Now, you can imagine that one is the rate of interest and the other is the bond price. So when the rate of interest goes up the bond price has to go down and vice versa. I, I think uh, yesterday I mentioned this and I said that this is absolutely non-controversial because it's, everybody accepts that. All the, Investment advisors and uh, economists, mainstream, anybody. This is uncontroversial. So, if you assume that the rate of interest deviates from the equilibrium rate on the high side, that means bonds are cheap, relatively speaking, and therefore uh, an attractive buy. So, Gold is considered as a as a barren asset which brings no income, and therefore there will be an incentive to sell gold and buy more or less simultaneously the bond. So the money flows from the Gold market to the bond market. And this will compensate and brings interest rates down and Mm -hmm. the uh, bond price up. And this continues until the equilibrium is restored. You see? And then Everybody is happy, this is an equilibrium situation. Whereas if the deviation has the opposite signature, that is to say interest rates are lower than the equilibrium rate, and let me immediately add that this is the typical thing because the government and the banks are artificially creating this disequilibrium they uh, for their various reasons of their own they prefer lower interest rates but if this happens that means that the bond price is relatively high then those people who are saving will find the low interest rate, inadequate they they are not happy about it they are not what they think compensating they are not being compensated for their sacrifice saving is a sacrifice on the other hand the bond price is high so it's an incentive to sell because you think the bonds uh, the bonds are overpriced so they sell the bond. Now, here's the thing. Would the guy who's just sold the bond because he was unhappy with the low interest rate, would he uh, start hoarding banknotes? Well, he would be a fool to do that because uh, he was dissatisfied with the low interest, but the interest he earns on a banknote is even lower because it's zero or negative if, if you factor in the depreciation of paper money. So there is no real alternative to the bond but gold. This is, just think it over. This is the beauty of it. There's nothing else but this is the best answer. It is something that has teeth Otherwise, like Mises says that, you know, time preference will take care of that. Well, time preference is just a pious wish. It has got no teeth, and therefore, you, it's just a prayer. You wish interest rates were higher, but that doesn't do anything to bring it about. Only the arbitrage between bond, or the bond market and the gold market will bring about the uh, equilibrating uh, process. And I say gold is the teeth, bites, it will make the government and the banks say, ouch. Well, under the gold standard, there's no question. When you sell your bond and keep the proceeds in gold, that gold is withdrawn from bank reserves. So the bank reserves shrink. Therefore, the banks have no choice but call in their credit. And when they do, then interest rates start Recovering, you see, but it even it works even under irredeemable paper money. Although, admittedly, doesn't work very efficiently, <coughs> but work it does because when the government, like now, the government of the United States, government of Britain, and various other governments, perhaps not. The European uh, community, but uh, certainly in the English speaking world, that's the norm now that interest rates have been pushed to the bitter limit, which is zero. Okay, then this is an invitation for people to buy gold. Because really zero interest means negative interest if you take currency depreciation into account. So as a result there will be more gold hoarding. The government and the banks will have to do something about it. Now either they start manipulating the gold price which works for a time because it costs them cash gold I mean, for a long time, selling sheer paper gold did the trick. And they thought that, oh, we are in charge, we can sell any amount of, of uh, paper gold, such as gold futures or gold options or various other fancy and exotic form of paper gold. Because all the margin money on, or whatever else uh, is needed when you trade, uh, do this trade, we can print. just a matter of printing. And then, you know, for example, let's assume for the sake of argument that it's Goldman Sachs which does that. You have to have an agent, the government has to have an agent you see, <laughs> who is selling paper gold in the market. Okay. Now, this agent, Goldman Sachs, will have to put up uh, margin. It has a another name, to honest money or something like that. Earnest, hmm? earnest, earnest, earnest money. Uh, but the common term is um, is margin. At the clearing house, I mean, even Goldman Sachs cannot say so. Takes a short position, cannot do that. Uh, has to put up. But that earnest money can be printed, so the government is colluding, uh, conniving uh, with the uh, uh, with Goldman Sachs, and they just print enough. The Fed will give them enough. Uh, money to to put up as earnest money, uh, margin, you see? So far, so good. But the thing is that this works to an extent, but when people get wise to it, what is going on, this market is rigged, then people will insist on cash gold. They say, "We, we are not interested in paper gold. What is that? That's nothing. We want cash gold. Show me. Show me that you can make good on this promise. Too. Well, the paper gold means a promise to pay gold in the indefinite future uh, in exchange for this uh, instrument. But people will get wise. After all, the gold traders don't usually belong to the stupidest strata of the population. (laughs) Very smart people, I I want to uh, credit them with this. Uh, So, you know, it costs the government, it costs the banks to manipulate the price of gold. They can do it, no question, and they are doing it also, no question. But I don't think it's an unlimited power. It has very definite limitations. And uh, when it comes to zero interest rate, uh, I I would say time is ripe for people to start protesting, and how do they protest? They increase gold holding, and that's what has teeth, whether it's a gold standard or no gold standard. Uh, as I say, in a no gold standard situation, it takes longer, uh, but that's the only difference. It, it is working just the same. So uh, this is what I can add to it. It's, uh, to simplify it there are two markets it's over in a way oversimplification but it does help understanding two markets the bond market and the gold market and there was a constant <coughs> flow of funds in one way or another net flow when, when uh, the money well, then, then the flow goes from gold to uh, bonds, the bond price rises interest, it falls, and uh, when it net flow in the opposite direction, then it's the opposite thing, and, uh, and uh, this is a very useful mental picture of that. <laughs> Uh, any more? Uh, any more, Rudy? No. Okay. No, sorry.
1: <laughs> I can add one thing to this um, paper gold selling uh, thing. A very interesting thing happened in the gold futures market uh, this morning.
0: This morning. This morning. Tell us about. It.
1: Sandeep and I were talking about it as we walked down to the, to the conference. The both the bid and the offer. Of December gold fell significantly relative to spot and relative to other gold future months. So the, um, the basis for December uh, fell off the bottom of the chart. The co-basis skyrocketed off the top of the chart. December only. Uh, February had a little bit of the opposite action. April and December 2012 unaffected. And so I read this as the contract role. Um, if you look at who, is, who, has a, who has a position in the December's contract, if the banks had a naked short position, they would be obliged to buy that December contract back, which would lift the offer, which was not happening. But the naked longs, which nobody uses that word, I use that word to Sandeep who's laughing this morning, <laughs> the naked longs, the people who have neither the means nor the intent of taking delivery, but they come in to distort and manipulate and distort the market, those people are forced to uh, sell their December future. And then if they wish to maintain a speculative naked long position in the futures market, they have to roll it to February. And so the, the bases for both December and February show this, both relative to spot and relative to April and December 2012. We see December getting sold off, both bid and offer falling. We see um, February getting bid up, and that's where people rolled to primarily. Spot uh, relative to April and spot relative to December 2012 uh, there was no, uh, no, no damage to the chart, to the basis chart. <clears throat> Does that make sense? No. <laughs> <laughs> tell us in English? We're pretty
0: close to backwardation in the December okay, contract. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's it's people a bit. This, people, had, people that bought December contract had to sell it because we're headed into expir- <clears throat> expiration. And if you don't have, so a, a contract in comments is 100 ounces. If you don't have $170,000 of cash in your account, you cannot tell your broker I will stand for delivery if you cannot tell your broker I will stand for delivery you must tell your broker sell December at the bid you can't play games and say well I want to I want to get this price you must sell at the bid right now I don't know what last notice day is for December I suspect we're getting very close to it this is maybe even today so people are selling December which pushes December down relative to spot and relative to February people are rolling out of December into February which is being pushed up and so there was actually uh, at one point a $5.80 profit to be made if you were to do a buy December and take delivery and simultaneously sell February you could have made $5.80 before commissions and fees and everything else which in a retail account um, would end up being about $8.50 I asked my broker Uh, So it costs you, in a retail account, when you have too many commissions and fees, that's not a profitable trade. But if you're a big bullion bank, there's a lot of money to be made uh, buying December and selling February if you can take delivery in the meantime. Um, Keith, the question is this happened this December, but the rollover happens every contract. So why is this one different? Yeah,
0: this must happen exactly. this,
1: This tends to happen when contracts expire. The one today was particularly explosive. You know, if you're looking at... So,
0: <coughs> it's the extent
1: of, of... It was the fact that it all happened today. I, I, don't, I, I don't have a theory on that. Okay. I don't know. But, but you know, if you're looking at the the, the basis was sort of tending to be falling, and the and the co-basis tending to be rising, and then they went... and they went vertical today. Yeah, because what you call the naked longs. <laughs> that was uh, tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. I, I would call them
0: more the uh, long-term investors <coughs> in gold without knowing that they don't have gold. They only have uh, their... With, but they're, they're, what they are doing by rolling is that they're maintaining their
1: exposure to the price action of gold. Yeah, but they're doing it with leverage. Yeah, well, well, they're good, that's process. fine. They do it with all the commodities. All the commodities in the world uh, operate that way. So. Not, nothing wrong with that. No, I, yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with either side of it. I just point out that everybody blames the naked shorts, which I don't think exist in very large quantity, but the naked longs exist in much larger quantity. Of course, the institutional
0: money would be naked long. If, if anything in the gold market, that's where they'll be. Right. That's what I just want to add two cents worth that naked short in silver or gold
1: means no silver or gold. A naked long means not enough assets to to, to the get it's Not necessarily the same thing. I mean, they could have money, but
0: not silver. Or they could mm-hmm. not have money. And of course, if they don't have money, then you're right, you can never stand for delivery. But they will typically not want ever to take delivery. That's, That's the other yeah, thing. So. All they want is to maintain the ex- their exporters, the price action. Yeah. Right. The best way to do that yeah. is to constantly roll over. Yeah, I, I don't have any <laughs> problem with that.
1: I was just pointing this out as a kind of
0: Please don't feel bad if uh, this conversation between between Keith and others uh, seems to be above your head, because uh, it, it would assume. Uh,